Go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 John. We've been here for several weeks, so hopefully you are familiar with 1 John. Hopefully you've been studying 1 John on your own. Hopefully you're, if you're super summer, especially you're memorizing 1 John. Uh, a lot of things going on in 1 John. Let me, let me begin tonight by asking you a question. Let me ask you a question to start off tonight. Does it matter what you believe? Just think about it for a second. You don't have to answer out loud, but, but does it matter what you believe? Should you believe anything at all? Is there any, should, should you believe anything? If so, then what should you believe? Are there certain things that you should believe? Are there certain things that you shouldn't believe? Is there something that determines what people are to believe? And if so, what determines what you should believe and what you shouldn't believe? Does your belief really matter? Is it okay just to go about life just doing good things for people? Being a humanitarian, just trying to make the world a better place, making people's lives better. Is that not just good enough? Does it, does it really matter what you believe? Let me remind you of the purpose that John wrote this letter to the church. <clears throat> there were people in the church, I've mentioned this several times in chapter 2, verse 19. They were leaving the faith. They were leaving the fellowship of believers because of deficient views, deficient beliefs about Jesus. They didn't have beliefs about Jesus that aligned with what the apostles had taught the church about who Jesus was, who Jesus is. There were people who were saying things about Jesus that weren't true and believing these things, and it it divided the church. There There was a church split. So let me ask you a question. Does this matter? Does this really matter that people have different views, different beliefs about Jesus? Does it matter? <clears throat> so far in this letter, John has clearly made a distinction about what people believe concerning Jesus. And in this apostle's perspective, one who was with Jesus, one who walked with Jesus, it certainly matters. It certainly matters what you believe. It matters what you believe about Jesus. That's not for just people in the Bible. It's not for just people who go to church. It matters for what every person believes about Jesus. I've titled this message for tonight, Test the Spirits, because that's exactly what John commanded the believers to do. And that's exactly what you and I are to do today in our lives as we go about life. Testing the spirits. What does this mean? What does it mean to test the spirits? Well, we're going to talk about this tonight. Something that we need to understand is that not everything people claim about Jesus is true. Not everything people claim about Jesus is true. The people who were causing a problem here, we know that they were saying that Jesus didn't really take on human flesh because they believed that all matter was evil. Therefore, if Jesus were to take on human flesh, that he would just be evil because they believed matter was evil. They believed they had this special revelation about Jesus, which we know as an early form of what's called Gnosticism. I've mentioned that word a couple of times. Gnosticism, this, this special knowledge that these people thought that they had of Jesus. John declared that many false prophets had gone into the world. We see that in chapter 4, verse 1. We see that earlier in chapter 2 about when he's warning about Antichrist. Claiming false things about Jesus. 
False prophets, false teachers deceive others by leading them away from the truth to try to sway people to believe things about Jesus that are not true. And this is why John commanded the believers here in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. We see this instruction about testing the spirits, testing the spirits to see whether they are from God. As we consider this text tonight, I have four main divisions in this text that I just want to go ahead and give you up front uh, concerning this command to test the spirit. So I'll just go ahead and give you your fill in the blanks and you can you can have those and then just kind of listen and take notes as we go along. First is the call to discernment. The call to discernment. The confession of Jesus. The comfort for God's people and the confirmation of the truth. If you didn't get them all, you can get them later on as they pop up on the screen. The call to discernment, the confession of Jesus, the comfort for God's people, and the confirmation of the truth. I want to go ahead and give you just things up front so you can just fill in some notes as you're, as you're taking, uh, as we're going on through the text tonight. But let's, let's pray as we dive into the text and let's consider this text about what it means to test spirits. So pray with me. Pray with me. Father, as we open your word tonight, God, we believe your word is inerrant. We believe your word is inspired. It's infallible. God, you've given us your word as a revelation of yourself. And God, we want to know who you are. So we read your word. We study your word together as a, as a body of believers. And we want to do this individually. We want to wrestle with these things. We want to know who you are. Not just a general idea, but God, we want to know you personally so that we can love you. So that we can worship you. So we can obey you. So we know the truth. So that we can live faithfully in obedience to you, God. And so God, as we examine this text tonight, I pray that you would just... Just bless us and help us to understand and give us eyes that would see your text clearly. God, ears that would hear it clearly and understand it. Minds that would comprehend what you're trying to say to us through your text, what you are saying to, through your text, through your scriptures, Lord. The hearts that would be like good soil. And that, God, when your word is planted in good soil, that would take root and grow up and flourish and produce fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, God, that abounds and multiplies. And so, Lord, would you bless us tonight? Would you edify us through the preaching of your word? Would you, would you lift us up, God, and, and help us to, to seek your face? Teach us what we need to know and how we are to live faithful to you and how we are to test the Spirit so that we can live a life that is pleasing to you, God. Not being tossed by every wind of doctrine that passes our way, but God, being faithful to the truth of Jesus Christ. And so I ask this prayer in your name. Amen. Let's read 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Earlier in chapter 2, in verses uh, 18 through 27, John taught his readers about false teachers. He, he told them how to kind of 
identify them, and he warned his readers about false teachers, warning them to be alert, to recognize how false teachers abandon the truth. That's what was happening. Chapter 2, verse 19. They left the faith. They left the fellowship. False teachers eventually abandon the truth. They may hang around for a while, but when it comes down to the truth of Jesus, they abandon the truth. So he taught these readers and teaches us as well how to recognize these people. Here in chapter 4, John calls the church to use discernment. That's an important word that we as Christians need to understand. Discernment when it comes to testing the Spirit. And first off, he gives the call to discernment. Beloved, verse 1, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Use discernment. What is discernment? So what is discernment? We're speaking of discernment. He's telling these readers to examine the spirits, to test them, to carefully inspect every spirit to see whether it is from God. We have a tendency to just kind of ascribe any and every kind of supernatural phenomenon to God. Something crazy happens, we're like, oh, that's, that's a God thing. We, we, we use the phrase, that's a God thing for just about anything. And sometimes we overuse this phrase, and sometimes we over-attribute everything to God. And anything that may seem slightly spiritual or something like that, we just say, oh, that, that was God. That was God. God's working in that. God's that. That's God. John says here we need to test the spirits. We need to test the spirits. While God does work in supernatural ways, we need to be careful not to just that everything that happens in life just attribute it to God. We're to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. We're called to use discernment. We're called to discern. Not to just take everything at face value as, oh, well, that's something that I can't explain. That's God working. That could be the case. But as Christians, God has given us the spirit of discernment. We are to discern what is of God. And so when something seems to be of God, examine it. Don't just automatically say yes, but on the other hand, don't just automatically say no. Discern it. Examine it. Test it. Pay close attention to what's going on. I think about in Acts chapter 5, maybe, Acts chapter 5, when the apostles were just preaching the word and the religious leaders were trying to get them to shut up. The Gamaliel, who was a, who was a religious leader there, he, he was very wise. He said, hey, just, just leave these guys alone. If what they're doing is of man, then it's just going to go away. It's, just, it's not going to succeed. But if it's of God, you're not going to be able to stop it. So when I think of discernment, I think of paying attention to what's going on, examining it, text, te- uh, testing it according to the Scriptures. Because if it's not of God, it will fail. But if it is of God, it will prevail. And so we think about discerning according to the Scriptures, testing the spirits. So when you see something going on, test it according to the Bible. See what is going on. If we automatically say that everything that seems religious or spiritual is of God, if we just go, oh, well, that's religious or spiritual, it's got to be of God. Then we open a very dangerous door that allows false teaching and heresy to creep in. And we may not recognize it at first. And let me just let me tell you this. Sometimes that can be in the form of you hear somebody go, oh, well, God told me that this and God told me this. And so I'm going to tell it to you. And basically, you can't argue with me because God told me this. If you ever hear just somebody say, God told me. Take this book right here and say, show me where he told you. 
Because I promise you, if he didn't say it here, he's not going to say it. God is not going to say He's given us exactly what we need. And so when God speaks to us, he speaks to us through his word. He has spoken us to, to us through his word. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews talks about, opens up. Long ago, he spoke through prophets and through people. And now he speaks through his word. He's spoken through his son, Jesus Christ, who in John, the gospel of John, chapter one, we know the word was with God. The word was God. It was Jesus so if God has not said it in His Word, you know, you probably heard it. If somebody says, God told me, say chapter and verse. Chapter and verse, please. Point to the Scriptures. Testing the Scriptures. T- testing the Spirits by the Scriptures. And so the Word of God. I asked you earlier, what is the standard? What should we believe? Is there a standard? And what is that standard that we should test things? It's the Word of God. If God's Word, God's Word is the standard. So if we see something or somebody's trying to get us to believe something, we need to test it according to the Scriptures. When Paul, in, in Acts 17, as Paul was going around preaching, he was preaching in Thessalonica, he was preaching in, in Athens, he was preaching in different places, and this group of devout, noble believers called Bereans, when Paul was preaching, they were searching the Scriptures diligently to make sure that what Paul was saying was true. Make sure what Paul was saying was according to what God had already said. And so for us, when I'm up here speaking to you guys, when Brother Charlie's preaching on Sundays, test the Scriptures. Test them according to the Scriptures. Look to God's Word. Say, is this, is this so? Is what, he's, is what Jack is saying to me tonight, is it so? Let me look at the Scriptures. Don't just take everything I say at base value. Now, I hope you guys trust me and we'll go, oh yeah, well, I, I trust them. So I but at the same time, don't neglect to search the Scriptures for yourself to see what God is saying. I am to use discernment. As I'm praying and I'm studying, I'm not to just, oh, well, some commentator said that, so it's got to be right. Well, I search the Scriptures. I test it against other Scriptures to see what God has said. You also are to use discernment. It's not just for people in ministry. It's not for just people who are, they want to be good Christians. It's, it's for every Christian. Every believer is called to use discernment. To test the things, test the spirits to see if they are from God. So we see the call to discernment. Secondly, we see the confession of Jesus. So we're to use discernment, but how do we know what is from God and what is not? Very simple in verse 2. Verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. I told you earlier, a phrase we see a lot in this letter that John wrote is, by this we know. By this you know. That's very helpful because sometimes we're like, all right, John, you're telling us these things, but how do we know? By this you know. So, all right, test the spirits. How do you know if it's from God? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So what's the test? What's the test to discern whether something is from God or not? Jesus Christ. The confession concerning Jesus Christ. John clearly says that Those who confess Jesus are from God. Yet those who do not confess Jesus are not from God. Any teacher or doctrine that fails to affirm or that perhaps undermines the Messiahship and incarnation of Jesus cannot be from God. So any any person... Any person who's going around proclaiming that Jesus is not God, Jesus was not God, He He was not incarnate. Any person, any doctrine, any belief that denies the, the incarnation of Jesus is denying the scriptures, does not know God and therefore does not know Jesus and therefore does not know the Father. 
does not know God. It can't be from God because it's contrary to His Word. Anything that claims to be gospel or anything that claims to be of God, yet it denies, ignores, or manipulates Jesus is not from God, but is from the world. It's false teaching. And as John says, it's the spirit of the Antichrist that we heard was coming and now is here. Anything that does not deny, anything that denies Jesus, does not recognize Jesus for who He truly is according to the Scriptures, is not of God. And this is really significant and really relevant for us today. You may be sitting there, Jack, I don't know what you're talking about. Jack, okay, sure, whatever. But it's, it's really significant for us today, especially in our Western culture and, and really especially in the South where we live. Many people think that sincerity is all that really matters. That doctrinal distinctives, that you can just believe whatever you want to believe, as long as you're sincere about it, you know, what you believe isn't really that significant. Just be really sincere about it. Love people and just be a good, sincere, genuine person. If you're a pretty good, down-to-earth kind of guy, kind of girl, then, then you're good. God owes it to you, right? You're, you're going you're to be fine. If you're sincere in what you do, it doesn't really matter what you believe. People may not exactly say that, but the way we live and the way we act really shows that that's what a lot of people believe. That it doesn't really matter what you believe. You can have different views of Jesus. Well, we don't just, you know, we don't see eye to eye on everything. And, you know, they don't, they don't really believe the Bible. Or they add to the Bible. They don't believe the whole Bible. But they're just a good person. John's saying, that's not of God. And that is the spirit of the Antichrist. Certainly, the Christian life is more than just having correct doctrinal belief. You have to believe the correct things about Jesus. That is a requirement for salvation. You have to believe the correct things about Jesus, right? That He died on the cross. That He came in human form. That He paid the penalty for your sin. That's a requirement to believe in Jesus. You must believe what the Bible says about Jesus. But it's certainly not less than that. But it certainly is more than that. It's not just all up here. It's like, I know every correct thing about Jesus, therefore I'm good. Well, is your life reflecting that? Because the Pharisees, they knew a lot of information about the Bible, but they spit in Jesus' face. They denied Him right in His face. It's certainly more. And this is something that's becoming increasingly difficult in our society. Because we live in a society that affirms the plurality of truth. What do I mean by that? A plurality of truth. That means... You can have your truth, and you can have your truth, and you can have your truth, and I can have my truth. It doesn't really matter. Just if, it's tr- if you think it's true, then that's good. That's good. It's okay. We live in a society that this is the way we think. This is the worldview and the mindset of our culture. It's a plurality of truth. It, there's nothing that's just absolutely right. You believe what you want to believe. If it seems true, if you believe it hard enough, then you're good. That's the culture we live in. And if you say that there is a truth, you're, seemed as, you're, you're viewed as arrogant, as bigoted, you're, you're criticized, you're narrow-minded. This is the culture we live in. So let me ask you a question. A very, very important question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who do you believe Jesus to be? Is he like, just, yeah, I place my faith in Jesus. I go to church and he, he's just kind of this religious guy that I associate with. Is, is that your view of Jesus? 
If Jesus is just another religious teacher and figure, then yeah, add him to the list. If you can add him to the list, then of course, he's acceptable among everybody else. He's good to go. If you just add him into the mix, yeah, he's a religious teacher. He's a good teacher. He has some good morals. He has some good life principles. He did some good things on earth. And yeah, sure. But if Jesus is the very incarnation of God, if Jesus is, as Paul wrote to the Colossians, the image of the invisible God, then Jesus is the only way of salvation. If Jesus is who he says he is, then Jesus is the only way of salvation. And we all stand condemned in our sins and have no hope of salvation and being in right standing with the Father except through Jesus. If Jesus is just another prophet, if he's just another religious teacher, then it doesn't really matter. Add him to the mix. Believe what you want. It doesn't matter. But if Jesus is who the Bible says he is, then you and I need to understand what that means for us. That means that we are hopeless without him. That means we are Guilty in our sin because of our sin. And we are standing under the wrath of God apart from Jesus. There are famous preachers and teachers and speakers who you've probably heard, you've probably seen on TikTok or Instagram, you've seen video clips, you've seen these people, you know certain people. There are a lot of famous people who they deny the Jesus in the Bible. They might not come out right coming, they might not come out right and say, I deny Jesus. But listen to what they're saying. They're not talking about Jesus. They're they're talking about the Jesus of their own image. They only focus on love. They only focus on acceptance. They only focus on Jesus meets our needs. And Jesus, He gets us. And things like this. And just this kind of mentality versus Jesus is the righteous one. He's the advocate for our sin. He's the atoning sacrifice. The propitiation as John talked about in chapter 2. When you hear people talk about Jesus... Do they talk about the Jesus of the Bible or do they talk about the Jesus of their imagination? When you think about Jesus, do you think about the Jesus of the Bible or do you think about the Jesus of your own imagination? That's got some of the Bible, some of the things we see in the Bible, but it's we've we've added or we've taken out. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? How you live really proves what you believe about Jesus. How you live your life proves what you believe and how you live your life. And what you really proves what you believe about Jesus. So I ask you, consider this question. What do you believe about Jesus? Verse 4. Verse 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome the world. Overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. John makes these believers really aware that there is a spiritual danger, a real spiritual danger that exists of of false teachers going into the world, proclaiming things about Jesus that aren't true, trying to deceive people to believe incorrect things about Jesus, to sway them, to lead them astray from the truth. And this certainly rattled these believers. There's no doubt that this was like, whoa, what's happening? How do we if there are false teachers, how do we discern this? Okay, well, can we do this? Are we able to do this? John provided some comfort. Again, in verse 1, we see this endearing term, beloved. He's showing an endearing, just some endearment there. Again, in verse 4, little children. This kind of father-like, pastoring kind of love. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The fact that 
evil spirits are at work in opposition to Christ should trouble you. The fact that there's evil in the world should bother you. It should trouble you. And the fact that as Christ is working, the enemy is working. That should bother you. That the enemy is trying to work to deceive people, to lie, to steal, to kill, to destroy. That should bother you. And even more so, the fact that these spirits, that the enemy tries to work within the church. And the easiest way you can do that is through false teaching. Through weak teaching. Through people who don't really... So if you have... If I, if I didn't study... And I didn't know God's word. And I just kind of got up here and just halfway did things. And I was just like, oh, yeah, here's some life principles. Take it and be a good person. Satan will use that to kind of lead us away from the truth. Weak teaching will lead to false teaching because we're not grounded firmly in the word of God, in the truth. And so where truth is proclaimed, you can be sure that the enemy is working to deceive, working to lie to people, to lead people away. And this should be troubling for every Christian. Yet there is comfort. There's comfort for God's people. There is. In verse 4, John was giving comfort to these believers. God's people don't have to be afraid of the evil. God's people don't have to be afraid of the evil spirits working around us. Because as John said in verse 4, Christians are from God. We're not from the world. Christians are not from the world. Christians belong to God. They have overcome them, talking about the false teachers, the, the false prophets, the evil spirits, because the one in them is greater than the one who is in the world. If you're a Christian, the one who is in you, the spirit of God is greater than the spirit that's in the world, which is of the devil. So we can take comfort in that. We can find comfort in that. I think we should we should be aware of the reality of spiritual danger. You need to realize that there is spiritual danger around you. And if we're not aware of that, we can become, it's really, it can be really hard for us because we don't see it physically. If someone's coming at you with a knife, you see a physical danger and you're going to get away from that, right? But spiritual danger, you don't just see that. You don't see a guy coming at you with a knife. But we should be aware that there is the reality of spiritual danger. That's why in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about putting on the armor of God. Right? And I think, I think, I was thinking about this earlier, and I think where we fall into the most danger of this is one, realizing, not realizing that there is spiritual danger. I think one, we can fall into a danger of and being tempted by not realizing that there is spiritual danger around us. And, and also, secondly, I think an equal danger to that is not really caring that there's spiritual danger. I think... We fall into, the, I think the most dangerous thing for us is either not knowing that there's spiritual danger and not caring that there's spiritual danger. Well, that's just out there. I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to do what I need to do and go to church and help people and do these things. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm not going to just, you know, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But if, if only two other people are raising their hand, I might be a little hesitant to raise my hand if people believe in Jesus. And we, you see what I'm saying? Not knowing, not caring. What does this danger look like? What are some practical things that we can see in our lives? Some actual things that we can see about this danger? Well, understand the danger that we face is the opposition of Satan. The opposition of Satan. Alright, so let's look at a few of these things. What this looks like. Worldviews. Worldviews, how you see the world. Worldviews that are centered on self and not Christ. 
So a, a mindset of perspective on how you see the world that's focused on yourself and not on Christ. That is a system of the devil. Societal structures that allow, celebrate, and promote sin and actively attack Christianity. Gender confusion, distortion, and manipulation. These things are from the devil. False teachers that that soothe our itching ears, that just tell us what we want to hear to make us feel good about ourselves. Pluralism and universalism. Meaning that you can believe whatever. Plural, a plurality of truth. Just believe whatever you want to believe. It's okay. Just all these people. And then universalism that, just, you know what? Just everybody will be saved in the end anyway. Doesn't really matter. These are ideologies that are from the devil. These are not from God. These are from the spirit that is in the world. This is the real spiritual danger that we see in our society today. But we don't have to fear these things because the Spirit of God in us is greater than the Spirit that is in the world. We have overcome them. But what you and I need to understand is that Christian belief is attacked on all fronts. It's attacked. It's it's constantly being attacked. And a lot of times it can feel like if you're trying to walk faithfully for Christ, if you're trying to walk faithfully with God, stand up for Him, live for Him, a lot of times it can feel like you're doing it alone. A lot of times it can feel like nobody else is doing it and you're walking by yourself and you can just feel down and defeated. Yet believers can find comfort in God knowing that He is greater than the world. He is greater than the one who is in the world. He is greater than those who stand in opposition to Him. The passage in Matthew, the gates of hell will not prevail against the confession of Jesus Christ. Peter confessed Jesus to Christ and Jesus said, "On, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. The one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. We already have victory over evil because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Because of what He did on the cross. We have victory. So we see that we can find comfort in this. And then lastly, the confirmation of the truth in verses 5 and 6. The last part of testing the spirits has to do with confirming what is true. The truth is confirmed through apostolic witness and teaching. What do I mean by that? In Acts chapter 2, give you a quick survey of the whole chapter. It's a longer chapter. Acts chapter 2, we know Pentecost happened, right? Pentecost, Holy Spirit came upon the believers. Peter preached a sermon, presented the gospel, presented Jesus. People repented of their sin, believed in Christ, and they were added to the fellowship of believers, right? At the end of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we see this, this local body of believers, this church, this newly established church, did a few things. One, they did four things, really. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers, and to the fellowship. And so the apostles' teaching, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is that? The teachings of Christ. The teachings about Jesus Christ. The gospel. The word of God. And so testing the spirits is, is confirmed through apostolic teaching. Listen, listen to verses 5 and 6. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, what he, what he just mentioned, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. People listen to people who speak the same language as them. People listen to people who speak the same language as them. What do I mean by that? 
People who are in the world. And they talk about the world. They talk of the things of the world. They talk like the world. They're going to listen to others who do the same. They're not going to listen to people who are talking about God. But as Christians, on the other hand, those of us who are from God, we don't listen to these false teachers. We don't listen to those who who speak the things of the world because we know the truth. We listen to other people who proclaim the truth, right? Verse 5 describes that. Lost people are going to act like lost people. And they're going to listen to people who are lost, who think the same way they do. Because why? They want to hear what they want to hear. Those who are from the world will speak from the world. They will speak of the things of the world, not of Christ. Those who are from the world listen to them because they like what they hear. They don't accept the message of Christ because the message of Christ is contrary to the world and it's contrary to what they want to do. Yet on the other hand, those who are from God listen to other Christians. They receive the message from God. They receive the message from God. And whoever is from God listens to the truth of Scripture. Why? Because Scripture is from God. It is the very Word of God. I mentioned that those who listen to the apostles' teaching and remain in it are from God. But think about this. How many of you have ever met the Apostle John? What about Paul? What about Peter? None of us. So how do we today apply this to our lives? How do we today listen to the apostles' teachings when we have never met any of these guys? What's through their word, through the word of God? Through expositional preaching is what I was how I preach expositionally. I'm exposing you expositionally. I'm exposing you to the text. So I'm not just coming up with an idea, looking at a verse and spitting off some of my own profound thoughts because you guys will be unimpressed. But I'm exposing you to the word of God. So tonight what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do, what I try to do every single time I open the word in front of you guys is I take the text, I read it and I explain what it means. So I'm I'm taking the scriptures, the apostles teaching what they've written. I'm explaining to you what they mean and then I'm applying them to your life. That's what really good preaching is like. I'm not saying I'm a really good preacher. I'm saying, but when you see that pattern, that's what good preaching is like. They're taking the word of God, explaining it and applying it to your life in a correct way. Paul is telling Timothy to to rightly divide the word of truth. Right? When I'm speaking to you guys, I'm not giving you my most thoughtful opinions. I'm not just telling you what I prefer to tell you. I'm telling you what God's word says. I'm exposing you to the Word of God. Because why? Because God's Word is what works in your life. God works through His Word in your life to edify you, to build you up, to conform you into the image of Christ. As you grow in your knowledge of the Word of God, you become more and more familiar with the truth. Right? You become more and more familiar with what is true and you can can more easily spot what is false. You can more easily spot what is error. You're able to discern the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. At the end of verse 6, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So as you study the Word of God, as you're reading Scripture, as you're praying, as you're listening to preaching, as you're listening to these things, taking in the Word of God, you're able to discern what is the spirit of truth and what is the spirit of error according to the standard of God's Word. Jesus said of Himself that He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. 
Those who do not confess Jesus reject the truth and reject those who speak the truth. Yet those who confess Jesus know the truth and they listen to the truth. The world is battling for your heart and your mind and your soul. And I'm not trying to sound like some lunatic, but I'm I'm trying to help you realize this. The world is battling for your heart, your mind, your soul. The devil wants you to love the things of of this world. The devil wants you to pour your heart into the things of this world and not the things of God. The devil doesn't want you to love God. The devil wants you to love the things of this world so you get caught up in this world. The devil wants to dull your mind with entertainment. Our culture has got a God of entertainment. We worship entertainment. We're always on our phones. We're always playing video games. We're always watching TV. We're always doing something to entertain us. To satisfy these little needs that we have. And we're rejecting the only one who will satisfy our longing. Satan wants to dull your mind with entertainment. He doesn't want you to renew your mind in the scriptures and to seek God. The devil wants you to lose your soul to the things of this world. Not to surrender your soul to Christ Jesus. You and I must use discernment. To test the spirits to see whether they are from God. To test all things in life according to the Scriptures. Why? Because Scripture is the standard. God's Word is the standard for all things. It has authority over our lives. Whether people reject that or accept that is that's not subjective. God's Word is the standard. You and I must understand that. And you and I must test all things in life according to the Scriptures. And here's the test. Verse 2 said it. It's the confession of Jesus. What does it say about Jesus? What do things say concerning Jesus? What do people believe concerning Jesus? That's the test of what is true and what is not. You must know the Scriptures so you will know the truth about Jesus. So that you can discern what is truth and what is error. So that you can know God. You can be faithful to Him. You can love Him. You can worship Him. You can serve Him. And you can live in obedience to Him. We test the spirits. Don't take everything at face value. Don't be apathetic toward things. Not caring about life and you're just going to do your own thing. Study the Word of God. Apply it to your life. Submit yourself to God daily and be conformed to His image into Christ's likeness. 